Hello. Morning, everybody. That was good worship. I love when God reveals things to your heart. Last sort of three weeks, God's just plonked sort of little gems in my spirit that I've sort of compiled into a bit of a message this morning to share. So hopefully, it is a blessing. The overall theme this morning is a call back into God's presence. I think the best way to start is by sharing a story that I shared probably two years ago in this church, but I think it's a good way of getting us all on the same page from the very start. About two years ago, I was sitting in the lounge. Um, there's a couch that I like to sit on in the lounge and just spend time with the Lord early in the morning. Um, and I sit there and probably around 5.30 on good mornings is the time that my son comes out of his room to come and meet me on the couch Um, And he sits there with me and we just sort of snuggle up and he asks me questions about things and shares stories about what he dreamt about and those sorts of things. And it is a great time for me as a dad sitting with my son. I love him to bits and I love just a special time that we have together. And I hope that that sort of thing never changes. Obviously, he won't be sitting on my lap when he's 20 years old. um, But I pray that those things never change. This one morning, though, when I was sitting praying, Elijah hadn't come out of his room yet and I was just sitting head bowed. And in my mind's eye, I saw a picture of Elijah coming out of his room as he normally would and he came and sat beside me and it was a particularly intimate time with him. I had my arm around him and I remember the smell of his hair and the sound of his voice and I thought, I just love, I love this little man, you know, I love this this little creation my wife and I made together. I love Elijah, my little boy. And as he was sitting there and I had my arm around him, I heard a knock on the door quite loudly and I remember even at the sound of the knock, I felt uncomfortable in my heart. Um, And my son immediately ran up in excitement to answer the door. And he swung it open. He loves answering the door. Stranger danger, doesn't even know about that yet. Um, Swung open the door and there was a man standing there. And everything about him made me feel sick. Um, He possessed in his arms hundreds of toys and little trinkets and lollies and everything that my son liked and desired and he looked into my son's eyes and he said come with me I have I have all of these things for you and I have more and my son looked looked at him and then glanced back at me and I I felt helpless to speak I felt helpless to do anything and I knew in my heart that the choice was his not mine to make I I couldn't plead my case I'd given that choice to him And he glanced around and looked at me and I was alone on the couch. I had nothing with me to give him apart from my love. And um, he looked and he glanced for a second at me and then he left with this man and the door was closed. And immediately it was like I was released from something to go and run to him and ran to the door and swung it open. But by the time I got there, my boy was gone. And... It was a strong picture this particular morning and if you imagine all of the strength taken out of your being in an instant, I ran out and looked down the street and in the instant I just fell fell on my knees and I just cried down the street, Elijah, Elijah, but he was already gone. He was already gone. felt like the Lord weighed really heavily on my heart, a powerful picture of when the enemy comes into a life and removes them from the presence of the Father. Remove Adam and Eve from the presence of the Father 
and the enemy continues to try and remove us from that intimate, close place with the Father. When something is bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh, you feel a particular type of love for it. You feel a particular type of love for your kids that no one else will feel for your own children. They just won't feel that. My brother has kids and they're great kids and I love them, but I don't love them like I love my own kids because they're bone of my bone and they're flesh of my flesh. And the love that I feel for them is intense. It is an intense love. The love the Father feels for us is an intense love. And it is far greater than mine for my own kids. He's given us a glimpse, I think, in the parent-child relationship of a little bit of what it feels like to love like him, but nothing in comparison. His love is intense. It is powerful. And it yearns for us to be in his presence. Now, if I called a search party to go and hunt for my child in those streets and say, my child has been taken from me. Would you please help me find him? I guarantee that if I approach this congregation and put that to you, that together we would go and search for, I think at best, maybe two weeks. Then slowly but surely, you guys would have jobs to go back to you and you'd have families that you yourself needed to look after and do other things. There'd be two people left searching, his mum and his dad. And they would never lose heart because it's bone of their bone and flesh of their flesh. It's a type of love that never gives up. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 7, love never gives up. It never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. That's talking about God's love for his people. God's love is not like our love. Our father-son, mother-daughter relationship is the strongest and closest in comparison to God's love, but it still doesn't even come close to what it is. I would hunt, I probably wouldn't eat much, and I would search and search and search and search for my boy for the rest of my life if it took that long. Every time I saw a child that looked like him, I'd probably spin them around to see their face. I'd yell out in the streets for him at night, night after night, day after day. God's love for his children is unshakable. And I really felt like over the last sort of few weeks, God was giving me a revelation on his unchanging nature and his love for us that never changes. In Romans 8.38, it says, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears of today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed through Christ Jesus our Lord. The deceiver that came to meet my son that morning at the door and take him away from me does it with us all on a day-to-day basis and it is his deception to keep us from that intimate place with the Father. I tell you, that intimate place with the Father is a place of incredible growth, transformation and power. If you remain in that place, no telling what God will do in that place. Some of his greatest deceptions are He tells you, God does not love you anymore because you are sinful and you've walked away from a place with God. It says in James 1, 17, says, 
God is unchanging and he does not cast a shifting shadow. When the enemy comes to you and says, in the morning you wake up and think, I'm just not where I need to be with God. There's particular things that I've done. There's ways that I've lived that I know don't please him. Let me tell you something. God's love for you is unshakable and it cannot change. The way he loved you when you first came to him is the way he loves you now. It's with full 100% intensity. Intensity. It cannot grow or shrink or change. The Bible says that our Heavenly Father is unchanging. He does not cast a shifting shadow. When you wake up in the morning and you've been far or you feel like you've been far from him, he is right there and his love for you is the same yesterday, today and forever. He does not cast a shifting shadow. When we come to our Heavenly Father, we should be able to come to him in incredible confidence, incredible confidence that he loves us the same. So often as Christians, the enemy comes into our life with condemnation and says, and your dad doesn't love you anymore. You're not going to be able to get back into his presence. You can't receive from him because the lifestyle that you live is unacceptable to him and therefore he feels differently about you. He cannot feel differently about you. He's not a human being. In... um, I think it might be in Numbers. I don't think I've written it down, but in Numbers. It says, He is not a man that he should lie, or the son of man that he should change his mind. He is absolutely fixed. He's not of human nature. He doesn't shift according to your actions or your behaviors. He remains the same all the way through. We are human, so we always measure our Heavenly Father up against what we're like. He's nothing like us. He's rock solid, fixed. He is completely unchanging. He is nothing like us. He's nothing like us. We shift according to behaviors. If someone's mean to, is, mean to us, we don't feel nicely about them anymore. When someone is mean to God, the Bible says he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want us to come into revelation about the way God feels about us. When we wake up in the morning, we should know beyond a shadow of a doubt that our Heavenly Father, the one that chases us, yelling down the streets our name to have us in his very presence, does not change. He does not change. He is amazing and he does not change. Other things the enemy says, God is not pleased with you anymore. Because you are sinful, therefore he hides himself from you. God never hides himself from you. Unfortunately, our hearts sometimes convict us and draw us out of the presence of God. Many times, again, the deceiver comes and condemns us and tells us that we're no longer good enough. Therefore, God's hiding himself. He'll be hard to find and you're a long way off. All of these are lies of the enemy. I'll tell you why. Because the work of the cross, let me find it first. Can't find it. Jesus himself said about himself, he said, I'm the same yesterday, today and forever. I am unchanging. 
The work of the cross was a complete work. When Christ was on the cross and he committed his spirit into the Lord, the last thing he said was, he said, it is finished, it is complete in all of its entirety. I have redeemed mankind back unto myself, and it is a complete work. The reason we know it was a complete work is because of the curtain that was torn in two from top to bottom. Okay? So behind the curtain was the holiest of holies where the presence of the Father would remain. Okay? In the Old Testament, if anyone that had sin in their life or hadn't offered the appropriate sacrifices entered into that place and were exposed to the presence of God, they would immediately die. And that's what would happen. When Jesus was on the cross and he committed his spirit up into the hands of the Lord, he said, it is finished. And at those words, from top to bottom, that curtain broke in two and instantly exposed all of creation to the very presence of the Heavenly Father, and nobody died. Because in that instant, God had said, the work that I do is eternal, and in the sight of God I make right all men. The catch is that we have to receive the Lord Jesus Christ through faith and understand that the work of the cross is a complete work. It cannot be added to or taken away from. And as Christians, we enter into relationship with God through this faith, this place of faith. We come to recognition that we are sinners and we are distant from God because of our sins. But the pathway back to the Father and back to that intimacy is achieved through our faith in Jesus Christ. So we come initially in that place and we are so thankful about the goodness of God and about the fact that he's redeemed us. We want to share it with everybody. Everyone we come into contact with, we go, God is so good. I wasn't in a good place. But because of what Jesus did, he redeemed me and brought me back to the Father again. But somewhere along the line, six months, a year, two years, suddenly we become indoctrinated with this idea that we must add to the gospel. We must add different things in a particular way of life to maintain relationship with God. The lifestyle we're trying to maintain has nothing to do with maintaining a relationship with God. It has to do with living like Jesus lived for the sake of the people here on earth. But the trick is that we must add to it. I was reading a book recently that said, the gospel of Christ, if you could refine it right down to one sentence is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. But he said, unfortunately, what we do as Christians is we say Jesus plus the law equals something. It's Jesus plus nothing. We as Christians get into a place where we choose and decide that we must live a life of perfection so that we can enter into the presence of our Father and receive from him. That means we'll never get to the Father. Because day in, day out, we will always feel as though there's more that we need to do to get into the presence of our Heavenly Father. And I feel like God wants to say this morning, the work of the cross, just like me, is unchanging. It is a complete work. If you want access into my presence, into that place of love that I have with my kids, then you come into it. And you come into it through faith in Jesus. Not through anything we can do. And so often throughout the day we get into a place where we are striving in our flesh to please God. And if we haven't done the right number of tasks the days or the weeks before, that we can't enter into God's presence and receive from him anymore. That is not biblical and it's not the truth. Unfortunately, that's a lie of the enemy. In telling us that he's reintroducing the law and there's a list of requirements that we must do to enter into God's presence, means he's taken away the cross which was the only pathway to reconciliation. 
and there's no way of getting that back again once it's been taken out. So we've always got to remember, in a really humble place, the only way we have relationship with our Heavenly Father is through Jesus. Amen to that. You know, we, we move and we come into that place because of it. The enemy is hell-bent. <laughs> That's pretty funny. The enemy is hell-bent on doing anything to keep us from the Father's house, and this is why. In the Father's house, God says to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe for this child and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, and this is in his presence. I have all my need. I have all my lead. Let me rest in these green meadows. And he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength and he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkness, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. The presence of God is a place of transformation. It's a place where God pours his anointing into you, fresh manna for the day. He strengthens you. You walk through the valley of the death and you, the valley of death and you fear no evil because his rod and staff comfort you. You are in a place of strength. He renews your youth like the eagles. When you can get into the presence of the Father, he transforms you into his likeness. You become more and more like him, stronger and stronger. You have the ability to begin to release the presence of God into the world like you would never have been able to before. That's why the enemy is so hell-bent on saying, no, you can't. You're not good enough. It's not going to happen. You didn't do this right. You didn't do that right. There's a list of requirements you haven't met, but we need to understand, forget it. We need to recognize that as lies and say, God is waiting. He is calling. He yearns and desires us to enter into his presence. So much so that when he sent his only begotten son, we were already in sin. We're in a most sinful place when he sent his son. That's what his love was like. He wasn't waiting for us to be good. He knew we couldn't do that. So he sent Jesus and he fixed in place a pathway that cannot be shaken to an unchanging God. There's two fixed things here. There's an unchanging God who is the same yesterday, today and forever, who does not cast a shifting shadow, who's for us and not against us and who loves us intensely. And the pathway to him is unchanging also. And that is the pathway through Jesus Christ. Do not let the enemy say to you that somehow the pathway has been blocked or somehow you can no longer get to him anymore. That is a lie of the enemy. You have faith in Jesus and you can enter into the most holy place with the Father and you can be transformed into, into his presence. I want to cut across the lies of the enemy this morning and say, he is a filthy, stinking liar. If you want to receive from your heavenly Father, God is ready to give it to you. He has got things in his hand and ready to give it to you. The Bible says that we are earthly parents. And if our kids came to ask and asked for a loaf of bread, would we give him a rock? Of course not. And he says, if you who are earthly sinful people would do that, how much more would I, who loves with an unshakable love, will release into your hands what it is that you desire? He supplies all our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Faith is a complete work. In Colossians 
Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Let's go through that again. Yet now he has reconciled all of us to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, right now, he has brought you into his presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without fault. If you have faith today that that is the case, you are in his presence. You're in the presence of the Father. You've returned home and you've returned home to a place of intimacy with God. It's about having faith in the complete work of the cross. It is not incomplete, it is complete. And if you have faith that Christ actually reconciled you back to the Father in one work, in a mighty work on the cross, then you can enter into that place with the Father. Faith in his unchanging will. Psalm 103, starting at verse 3. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and he crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things and my youth is renewed like the eagles. In Mark 5.25, this is a powerful story of somebody that understood the unchanging nature of God and his character. Mark 5.25, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with a constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had sought out everything in the world that she could possibly find to fix up her problem. And she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus. She had heard about Jesus. She'd heard about all the miracles that Jesus had done. She'd heard about the fact that every time a sick person came to him, it says he healed all who were sick and oppressed of the enemy. He healed all of them. So her faith behind the scenes is hearing all these stories and it's starting to develop a picture of an unchanging God. He's the same. Every time sick people come to him, he heals them. Everyone who's oppressed, he releases them. So behind the scenes, she's hearing stories and it's starting to build her faith inside. She's starting to build an understanding of this God who says, I'm the same yesterday, today and forever. She's understanding that, hang on, wait a minute. If he's the same yesterday, today and forever and the Bible says that he's not a respecter of persons, if he's healing them, I know he's going to heal me when I touch him. If I can just get close enough and touch him, I know he's going to heal me because I have faith. He is unchanging. If God healed one person, he'll heal you because he is unchanging and he is fair. He is unchanging and he is fair. The lady understood this and she had a revelation of this. She had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she had thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed from this terrible condition. Jesus realized at once the healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look at the crowd is pressing you. How can you ask who touched you? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then a frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at his knees in front of him and told him what she had done. He said to her daughter, 
daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. If we can get ourselves in a place through reading that word and meditating on the character of God and what he is like and how he chases us, how his love for us is unfailing and how he desires to give us every good and perfect gift comes down from God in heaven, it says. Every good and perfect gift. We begin to understand his character and who he is. We can approach Jesus in faith to the Father and we know if we touch him, we will make a withdrawal from his power to meet our needs. She didn't ask Jesus, remember? She didn't tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, do you think if it's your will that you'll heal me? There was no if your will it would heal me. He didn't even know. She knew he was unchanging. And therefore, because he's unchanging, all I need to do is touch his presence and it will immediately make me well because it is who he is. He doesn't think, he doesn't, she doesn't tap him on the shoulder and he turns around and looks into her eyes and decides whether, okay, you've lived a particular way, you've done things a particular way and yes, it is the will of the Father, therefore I release power into your life. He is who he is and he is unchanging. He is ever faithful because he cannot deny himself. She touched him without him knowing it and made a withdrawal and he felt a surge, a power surge come out from him. Someone knows me. Someone knows my character. Someone knows my will and they have reached into me and taken it out. And God wants to say to us this morning that if we would have faith in that unchanging character, in who he is and what he's like, we can enter through Christ Jesus into the most holy place with our heavenly Father, place our hands on the hem of his garment and withdraw what it is that our life needs because we know that he is unchanging. In Revelation 3, 8, it says, So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by the fire, then you'll be rich. Also buy white garments from me, so you will not be ashamed of even nakedness, and ointment for your eyes that you will see. I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. This is the part I want to get to. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together. I will come in and I will feed you. I will come in and I will release into your life what it is that's needed. I feel like this morning and I pray this morning that as I've been sharing this message that different parts of revelation and understanding of the character of God and the work of the cross and what God wants to do in our life has come as revelation to you this morning and you're hearing God knocking on the door saying, I want you in my presence. I've been calling out and I desire you in the most intimate place with me where we share together. I can impart things into your life. If you have need, whether it's financial need, whether it's a need for healing or any other need, I guarantee that if you have faith in Jesus and you touch the hem of his garment this morning, you will make a withdrawal and God will change your life. But when you come, you need to understand that he is unchanging. You cannot waver in your faith when it comes to God. You must understand in faith. Faith is the firm persuasion of a divine truth. It means you are fixed and you are firmly persuaded 100% that God is a God who reward those who diligently seek him. 
when you come to him this morning, I'm, I'm going to ask the musicians to come. Yeah. Play some good, really good worship song. And I'm going to invite people to come to the front this morning and make a withdrawal from the presence of God. If you feel like your faith is wavering, I'm more than happy to pray for you on your behalf and just reach into the presence of God and see him flow through on your behalf this morning as well. But if you want to meet with God, if you have needs where you know that you've needed to connect with God and, and him have his release his power into your life or you've lacked intimacy with him, I'd invite you to come this morning as we worship. I get this pulpit out of the way. And we meet in the presence of God based on that revelation. Come through Jesus to the very presence of God and let him touch your life. Say the hem of God's garment is here at the front. It's just making a declaration as you come and you reach out. It's like making your way through the crowd almost and touching the hem of God's garment and letting him release his power into you. Don't waver. He is unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today and forever.